Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports between the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. This is your Thursday night, Friday morning sock show. I was going to say with your typical Thursday night, Friday morning crew, but I feel like we don't even have a typical crew anymore. I've been gone for a while before that. Luke was gone. We have no Joey tonight. We're all over the place. I feel like our new... Our new full strength is not being at full strength. My name is Pat. I'm here with Derek and Luke, and we're going to talk about uh, all the things that we talk about on Thursday nights, Friday mornings, everything Red Sox related. I'm not going to do the agenda rundown tonight because we're going to jump right into it after everybody gives me their first pitch. I'm going to check with them, see how they're doing. Luke, I'll go to you first. Give me your first pitch. Uh, well, it's good to have you back, Pat. I know you have uh, you've had a continuing series of issues, legal and otherwise, that we can't really get into. Uh, I know we miss Joey today, but he is on assignment, uh, looking to quote unquote talk to a few people um, who may have seen some of those uh, things that led to your issues, and hopefully we'll, we'll get those squashed uh, so that uh, we'll we'll get to see more of you in the in the future. I know a couple weeks there we might hear something from the grand jury, but let's let's hope we'll push that off as long as we can. Uh, as for me, I'm living in southern Texas right now, so that means if you're paying attention to the weather news at all, we are in the middle of an ass of a heat wave. Uh, 100, 100 degrees just about every day uh, for the past couple weeks. Uh, last night we got a beautiful thunderstorm to break it up a little bit. It was in the low 90s most of today. Uh, broke down into the 80s. Uh, it's in the mid, mid to high 80s right now, which is fantastic. It feels like springtime, uh, comparatively speaking. I, we be, I took the kids to the pool a few times in the past couple weeks, and it's so hot that the pool feels like a warm tub right now. So we're hoping that we get some more rain and some cooler weather to at least cool the pool water down a little bit. Uh, but we'll survive. Air conditioning's been working uh, so far, knock wood. Let's hope that keeps up or else uh, we could have a real panic on our hands. But uh, I'm doing good. Good to see uh, some improvement uh, with the Red Sox in the past week as well. Uh, Luke uh, jokes, of course. I've actually spent the last week in Arizona, Luke, so I, I, I hear you. It was like 108 the entire time we were there, and I don't do any of this dry heat nonsense. I don't care. I'm sure, yeah, 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 be worse with humidity. But 108 is hot. Uh, doesn't matter which way you cut it. Um, I guess that's very quickly my first pitch. I'll throw it to that my fellow bleacher. Stuff, oh, that ahead. dry heat stuff is ridiculous. I've been in. I, <laughs> I went to I went to Las Vegas once, uh, maybe 12, 13 years ago, and I had always heard, yeah, it's hot in Vegas, but it's a dry heat. And I'm from Massachusetts, where in the summer it would get humid, but not all that hot. And it was over 100 degrees in Nevada, and it was still horrible i'm sure it's the same in arizona if it's breaking 100 degrees it's hell on earth and i don't care if it's dry or wet or medium or on the rocks or however uh, you describe it hot is hot exactly i'm with you uh because of that the, the other half of my first pitch is I want to plug an article that, that Derek and I have coming out on Monday. We're going to write uh, about the Arizona Diamondbacks. Are they contenders? Are they pretenders? Uh, look for that one on bleacherbrawls.com. That was my on-assignment duty. Uh, Derek, what's going on with you? Uh, not much. Now, I'm in Florida, and we don't have dry heat, but we have humid heat, and that's not fun either. Um, 
just because it's like ridiculously humid today the humidity was 90 percent um and it was 89 degrees and that's with rain like like why uh like the all of next week it's like 90 degrees and the humidity is like i think the lowest humidity is like 65 percent like that's the lowest like it's stupid um the other part of my first pitch, besides weather-wise, um, I did want to touch on this. I was thinking I'll bring this up a little bit later in the show, but I'll just dive straight into it now because uh, Joey's not here, so I can say it and not have Joey try to even argue with me. Um, but I've been saying it since 2020. Now, you guys haven't known me since 2020, but we've known each other for a while now, and I've been saying it since I've been saying it since the Mookie Betts trade happened, where 2024 is the year for the Red Sox, and 2025 is the year where things really need to start to kick and go for towards a World Series. The Red Sox right now, with the young pitching that they've had step in, is showing that... And we've talked about it before, with, uh, I think it was last week, with Bayo and how can we like doing well. Now we've seen Chris Murphy pitch well. Brandon Walter had a very solid debut, going six and two-thirds innings out of the bullpen. Uh, there's a lot of young pitching coming. Red Sox haven't had young pitching in a long time, right? The farm system's moving along, and the big league team has pieces there. So when we talk about this Red Sox team, 2020, and I've been saying 2024 for a long time, maybe Derek's going to be right on that one. Maybe. I'm hoping so, because if I'm not right, then that's not going to be good for the Red Sox. Uh, but I've been saying all along, 2024 is the year where this thing really starts to go, uh, and when it needs to start to go. And right now, it looks like that might be the case. I don't see anybody debating that they should look good in 2024 or 2025. The only issue I hear, what I hear people complaining about is that is an unacceptable bridge and that it should be World Series or bust every single year. You, 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 have, an, you have an 80-win season, fail. You, you, you win 85 games and, and uh, don't make the playoffs, fail. You have a season like last year, obviously failure. But at ninety percent humidity, that would be good weather to pitch in, right? Like, wouldn't that add a little bit of drop to your breaking balls? I don't really know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I have no clue how weather affects pitching. Uh, mostly because once I hit like thirteen years old, the coaches didn't want to pitch me because I threw like quote unquote sidearm, and they although I threw three quarters, not sidearm, but and they didn't want to coach me because I threw sidearm, and they didn't want want me to pitch in games. Because I threw sidearm, so I got uh, relegated from pitching duties because my coaches sucked. Which, whatever. I got to play second base more, so that's all I really cared about. Well, okay. To your humidity question, don't they like use dehumidifiers to like even things out? They only do that yeah, in Colorado. In MLB stadiums, yeah. No, they do it. I think now, it's I required think. in all MLB stadiums now. I didn't yeah. know that. I've never heard that before. I think it's like this it's year. It's like a recent everybody. thing, yeah. This year, last year. All right, well, let's talk about the Red Sox. So, uh, interesting, I don't know. I've been gone for 10 days. For me, it's been an interesting 10 days uh, since I've last checked in with you guys on how this team is doing. Um, still kind of a 500 team. Some recent success, obviously, uh this team would be in first place in the American League Central, but they are still in last place in the American League East. It gets a little Groundhog Day-y uh, when it comes to uh, that conversation, at least for me. Luke, I'll throw it to you. Definitely some recent success. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on it. 
it's been it's been uh, fun the last six days. They lost the last two games of this series in Minnesota, so that stunk. Uh, it was you know feels like it felt like a big step forward and then a slight step back. Um, but it, it's you can't uh, you can't argue with success at least the, during that six game win streak. They have been dominating the Yankees this year who are completely unintimidating without judge but they're they're 5 and 1 against the Yankees this season. So I don't care if you're in last place or not. I can't stand that last place thing cuz even Red Sox fans who are just, you know, want them to compete, you know, they're two games over 500. They're a last place team. They're a last place. Team. They're the only last place team that to ever be over 500 uh, that I can remember. Um, and uh, biggest thing is like J- Derek touched on the pitching foundation looks really encouraging. Hauk and Whitlock and Bale, they look like long-term starting pitchers here. Um, they they look like it to me. So that's if that's the case, then that's three fifths of a rotation uh, that that you have locked down. They don't have an ace because you can't say Bale is an ace. They can hope he's an ace. You can hope anybody's an ace, but he hasn't shown he's an ace yet. So I mean, theoretically, to fill out the rotation, they need to acquire an ace from elsewhere, which hopefully they'll be willing to do this offseason or maybe next offseason. Um, and the big thing is Whitlock needs to stay healthy or that's always, you know, like how getting smashed in the face. Um, you know, I mean, that's nobody's fault. That's nobody being injury prone or anything. He got hit in the face with a line drive and broke, a, fractured a bone in his face. But... You know, leading up to that this season, it was always, oh, Whitlock tweaks something. He's out for 10 days. Um, you know, Sale tweaks something. He's out for the, the rest of his career. You know, but the, the pitching is the biggest key take, uh, good takeaway uh, of the recent stretch. Yeah, and I do also, too, want to touch on this side of the pitching, too. It's not just been the rotation. Like, the bullpen's been good, too, and we talk about young pieces in the rotation. Like, the bullpen has some young pieces, too. Josh Rinkowski, Chris Murphy's now been moved to the bullpen full-time. Those are two young pieces that, you know, very bright futures, most likely in the bullpen. Cutter Crawford, we'll see whether he ends up as a starter or reliever long-term. That's still a piece, not super young. I mean, he's, he's what, 27? But he's team under team control for a long time, right? So he kind of still fits in that kind of team control picture. Um, so, like, they have young guys in the bullpen. Maybe Brandon Walter made his debut. Maybe figures into rotation or bullpen, depending on where he figures out. But, like, the Red Sox, they're building pieces in the minor leagues. Ryan Fernandez just got called up to AAA. One of the nastiest relievers in the system. Luis Guerrero's in AA. Like, they have guys coming, relievers and starters. Starters the last month or so in the minor leagues have been really good. Uh, especially in the low minors. Now that's a little bit further away, but still very encouraging to see. I think overall pitching... Big league level has been very good, especially from the young guys. But all throughout the organization, the pitching has been very good as of late. And that's something that you love to see. Uh, because the Red Sox, I said it in my first pitch, like they, they, don't, they haven't been the greatest at developing pitching. They haven't had a ton of homegrown starters or even homegrown pitchers in general. And the fact that they maybe finally are developing these guys, that's, I mean, that's huge in terms of team building. Huge, because you don't have to go out and inquire a whole pitching staff. And right now, it's like a very Tampa Bay-ish roster, uh, pitching staff is what it looks like. Because you got Chris Murphy, you got Cutter Crawford, Josh Winkowski, Tanner Houck, Garrett Whitlock. And now, you could say Corey Kluber, hurt or not, and he's never been in the bullpen before, but he's been in the bullpen this year. But that's 
there's a bunch of guys that are stretched out as starters. They are starting have starting pitcher pedigrees, and they, oh, and Pavetta, and that in a pinch, if needed, if they acquire other arms, they can pitch out of the bullpen, and it won't be like something re, something ridiculous like moving Chris Sale to the bullpen if he was healthy. It's all it's all very versatile. There's a lot of versatility uh, there. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I wanted to touch on the offense, too, because, um, look, now that Adam Duvall's back, there's no reason they should have another long offensive slump like the last one that got him for, like, a month. Duvall's back, stories due back in a month, and I, I just don't see... I don't see any justification for having a long offensive drought like the one they just... They, they have too many good hitters in the lineup. That was way too fluky of a thing uh, before. And uh, I just I just don't see it happening. And the biggest thing about that is Tristan Casas is really figuring it out. His average is up to 216 after an 0 for 3 today. But he's hitting 216 with a 719 um, OPS right now so he's <clears throat> i mean this year Raphael Devers is only hitting 238 so you know it's like it's not, 216 isn't a good batting average but nobody's gonna look at that and be like for a rookie this i don't care if he's a rookie this sucks and uh christian arroyo also had a five fit, uh five hit game the other day so for he's probably gonna be hot for the next four days or so so let's ride that till the wheels fall off and then he'll probably get hurt again I don't know if we're addressing the Devers stinks right now thing enough on this show or anywhere. Uh, I mean, just a, a quick glance at his stats other than 2020, which who cares? This is his worst offensive season since his rookie year. Uh, I mean, he is just... He's just stinking it up right now. I don't know how else to put it. Like, he's not supposed to be this guy. He hasn't been this guy for the past couple years, uh, these past two seasons. And it's you want to talk about um, uh, uh, things coming off during this offensive slump. He's going to be a huge part of that. I know Joey's been, you know, he's had his, you know, megaphone out for the past two months now. But it's starting to get a little like, okay, it's almost July and you're hitting 231 or whatever it is. That is true, but I mean he's still leading, yeah. he's still leading the league in RBIs right now, right? Unless someone just recently overtook him. But so I think you are right, yeah. It's still it, it's still not okay. I'm still a batting average guy, and if you're getting a hit twenty three point eight percent of the time, uh, you know, that's not a franchise player. You know, you need to be getting a hit twenty seven percent of the time. You know, you need to be hitting about two seventy. That's kind of where I see as the acceptable uh, benchmark for a guy, a hitter of uh, Devers' uh, capabilities. And it'd be one thing, Derek, it, it, could you look up his BABIP real quick, if you wouldn't mind? And I just. Rafael Devers? Yeah. And he's I got just. 247 BABIP. So Which his he's been last really... year, it was 329. Yeah, right. So that's he, pretty so bad. He, well, he's been pretty. Un... That means he's been really unlucky, correct? Not necessarily. Um, not that Babbitt, much of a decline. Not necessarily, but like when it's that steep, um, probably some bad luck, definitely. But like, there's also been a lot of he's had some like pop ups, weak contact too. Yes, he's also had balls that he's absolutely crushed. 
Um, I'd say, yes, some of it's bad luck, but some of it's also, you know, other things as well. Yeah, and I'm not trying to excuse a 238 batting average. I think that might be a part of it because that does sound pretty low for a bat for a batting average on balls in play. But he's swinging at too many first pitches, and he's trying to hit the crap out of everything. And he knows he's a better hitter when he's trying to when his um, approach is hitting the ball the other way, just like Alex Verdugo. So that's really frustrating. And who knows where they'd be if he was hitting 275 or so. Um, you know, I, he, is it the contract? Is it, oh, they're paying me to sock dingers? I got to sock dingers? Who the hell knows? I hope that's not it. I hope he's smart enough to know that, you know, just because you get a big contract doesn't mean you change your game. They paid you to be the player you've always been. Uh, and you're right. He's leading the league in RBIs tied with Garcia of Texas and obviously um, Otani. Uh, yeah, he's got a 302 on base percentage. Uh, yeah, it's. Bad. It's bad. It's bad. He's playing bad right now. And um, I know that there's been a lot of, you know, hoopla about nobody making the all-star team uh, as a starter this year. You kind of go like, Rafi's our best chance, and he finished fourth because he kind of stinks this year. And it's, I don't know. I felt like maybe just because the all-star thing came out today, I felt kind of like my eyes were really widened to it. But it's, it's getting a little... And yes, the RBIs. He's also hitting fourth. He used to hit second. And he's hitting fourth where you're going to get more opportunities like that. So, I, I don't know. Take the he's good not, with the bad, I guess. But it's a, it's kind of more bad right now. He's not going to be starting in the All-Star game. Because Chapman's going to be starting in the All-Star game. Because the Blue Jays fans are doing that crap that they always do. And they're just voting for everybody on their team. An entire country full of votes so it's just going to be one through nine of blue jays in the all-star game this year but i mean raffy's probably the one every team needs to get one so other than kenley jansen it, it, i mean maybe kenley jansen like i mean doogie? chris martin maybe doogie chris martin yoshida there are options doogie doesn't have enough home runs to make it in as an outfielder i feel like i mean not not saying he doesn't deserve it but as far as people who usually make the all-star game, the outfield is usually a bunch of people who hit home runs. It's normally like the celebrity players, you know, like yeah. the, the Well, they also liked. too, all-star voting, like people don't look at defense for all-star voting. That's the one thing that kind of pisses me off. But besides that, Red Sox fans notoriously just are terrible at all-star voting. Like notoriously, just like Red Sox fans don't care to vote. Like just don't. Majority of them don't. And that's what, like, we've seen it years and years, like, year after year after year, where it's like, oh, Ravel Devers should be the starting third baseman. He's, like, finished his third in third base voting. And it's like, why? Yeah. It's like, look at his I numbers, mean, but, like, Red Sox fans don't vote. The I know the, the Red Sox account tweeted this two days ago that said, uh, a few reasons to make Doogie an all-star. He's first among AL outfielders in hits, multi-hit games, and doubles. He's second in extra base hits and runs scored. He's third in F-war, average, and on-base percentage. Fleeting the league in doubles? Uh, without out, uh, Maybe. I'd have to check. But, I think he's, I mean, I think that's, he's leading the whole league. That's an all-star. I mean, he's like a top three in every category, and there are three outfield positions, but, like, he's just, like, not super popular, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a popularity contest, so there you yeah. go. Yeah, he's got two and a half F-war. Like, he's been very good this year. And I like I do want to go back to Devers though. Like 
He's got a 105 weighted runs created plus this year. Like, that's his worst since 2018. Uh, and his rookie year, well, his 2017, I don't know if it's technically his rookie year or not, but he had 52 games, I think it was, and he had a 110 weighted runs created plus. In 2018, he was at 90, and ever since then, it's been way over 100. This year, he's at 105, so only 5% better hitter than league average. It's a little bit worrisome. It, it is. Like, the power's still there, but, like, we see it with guys like Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, Kyle Schwarber hits home runs, but, like... He's still, like, this year, he's hitting home runs. Doesn't really mean much, though. Still isn't a great hitter. The Mexican fans need to come out and counterbalance all the Canadian fans, and they need to get Verdugo in. I, I thought Verdugo, I, I fall for it every year. Verdugo rakes at the beginning of the season. He hit, I feel like he hit five home runs in April and that he still has five home runs. <laughs> like, maybe he has six now, but he, he just, he's just not a power hitter. And, you know, his approach is... To, as a contact hitter, hit the ball the other way. That's fine. I'm not banging their drum being like, we need home runs. But it's just like, if you want to get in the all-star game, then I, as an outfielder, I think you got to hit a lot more home runs than he hits. This is kind of random, but when you're listening up, Derek, I always forget that Rafi played in 2017. Because like my memory is like in 2018, he was like the kid and he would like platoon with Eduardo Nunez a lot. And, you know, he was like, he wasn't ready yet. But then you look and you're like, yeah, he played like half the season in 2017. <laughs> Me too. Um, I forgot that. I think of him as a September call-up in 2018. Right. 50, it was 58 games in 2017. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. How many, how many in 2018? He played the full uh, season. He played 121 in 2018. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But he was like, he would always yeah. like platoon and come out early and, you know. He was striking uh, out yeah. all the time. He was Nunez is the one that hit that bomb to pinch hit for him in the World Series. Uh, what, Nunez? Yeah. Yeah, but so Devers... Like it wasn't even Rafi, yeah. Devers hit Rafi the, had 121 the, strikeouts in 121 games in 2018. Yeah. <laughs> Devers um, hit the home run off uh, Verlander in game five of the ALCS. Did they win that in five or six? It was five, I think. Yeah, um, five. five. I think you're right, five, yeah. yeah. Crawford boxes, little cheapy home run to <laughs> to clinch the the ALCS. All right, a uh, couple other things I wanna I wanna bring up because all of a sudden um, we're we're down some guys. Hauk breaks his face, which like okay, can we address this by the way? Oh, I thought you were gets... talking about bleacher brawls. This is down some guys. Oh no, well we are, um, and we'll be again soon. No, the team is down some guys. Uh, Hal gets smacked in the face and just like gets up and like makes it seem like he's fine. And turns out he's got a broken bone in his face. Uh, McGuire goes down yesterday. Doogie's going to be out till Tuesday, I think they said on the bereavement list. So all of a sudden, missed a bunch of guys. Um, it, it always feels like, hey, we're getting Duval back, and then we lose for Dugo. And hey, we're getting uh, Whitlock back, and ah, we lose Hauk. You know, it's it's we. I feel like for like two years now, have never operated at anywhere sort of near where we want to be. Uh, thoughts on that, guys? It feels like all the COVID IL stints that kept happening in the second half of 2021. They, you know, when they were struggling, they had an awesome start to the year in 2021, and they faded right around uh, the All-Star break. And then every time they would win a couple games, 
to kind of get back on the winning track. It felt like, you know, Arroyo hits the COVID list. Barnes hits the COVID list. Not that that mattered. Like, this guy hits the COVID list. This guy hits the COVID list. And it's like, enough with the damn co- Just stop testing everybody, for God's Kike sake. Kike was stuck in Colorado for 10 days. Who <laughs> in was? In his hotel room. Kike was. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> and it it's just so frustrating because it's like because it, this is not even an arm thing it's not a hammy thing it's not a back thing he got hit in the face with a line drive because of course he did and of course this season at that time against the Yankees the Yankees put another pitcher on the shelf with a line drive right at them for the second year in a row and it's it's their 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 scrub backup catcher of all people to do it did you know he's the longest tenured Yankee Higashioka. But, yeah. um, but yeah. it, it, you know, it's just like, if he just was able to get the glove up and deflect it, this wouldn't have happened. But now it's like, and now, you know, he, he has to get surgery. He, or maybe he already did. He's got to get his skin lifted up and they got to shove a plate under his skin and on his face. And it's like, who knows how long you're going to be out with that. So this is, I asked this to John on the rivalry show Monday, and I don't mean to be insensitive. I can't imagine what I'd be like if I had a fracture in my face and trying to play athletics. But technically speaking, wouldn't he be fine as long as he doesn't get hit in the face with another line drive? Say he did go out pitching with a fractured bone in his face. Isn't he perfectly fine unless he gets hit in the face with a ball? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because of the surgery and I I have no clue. Um, I mean, we're not doctors, so. Yeah, I'm I'm not looking for your medical opinion, Doctor McGuire. I'm just, I'm just, what? Curious what people think about that, like, because, because there's no timetable, right? Aren't the Red Sox totally Aaron judging this, like, not really saying anything, like, about when he's expected to be back? I don't know if they know when he'll uh, be back. I think that's kind of the thing with Hauk right now. They're. They're in, like, this weird spot where they just, like, where it's, like, we think, like, 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 Cora said that they expect Hauk to be back at some point this year, if they fully expect it, but, like, they don't really know when, and I think that's kind of the tough part with it. It's not, I, I, I honestly don't think the Red Sox know when he's going to come back, um, but I will say there was an interesting story that came out of the whole Hauk situation and getting him in the face, um, because the story was Garrett Whitlock actually was with them at the hospital and uh, drove him home. Um, it's actually an interesting story about it, whereas Garrett Whitlock, when he was in college, took a line drive to the neck and had to and had to deal with that. So it feels like Hauk and Whitlock can't... Well, they both got injured last year. Now Hauk gets hit in the face with a line drive, and Whitlock's previously got hit in line. I don't know what's with the two of them. The two of them might be cursed. Um, but yeah, no clue. But that was a cool kind of story to come out of it, though, in terms of how, like- Whitlock being there for Hauk. So losing McGuire obviously isn't that big of a deal. Uh, he hasn't been hitting. Wong's been the much better defensive and offensive catcher really all season. So I'm fine with Caleb Hamilton stepping in uh, to the backup catcher role right now anyway. Um, and Corey Kluber going to the IL, I mean, whatever. That I, that might be a good thing. He's, you know, he's strictly been the mop-up man so far. Uh, so, I mean, as opposed to a 37-year-old guy on a one-year deal as your mop-up man, why not give a guy like Chris Murphy or Brandon Walter or 
somebody uh, from the minors, a young guy, a chance to maybe prove himself and grow into a better role there. I'd be fine with, um, you know, Kluber just leaving the team. And um, it's uh, the the injury is, um, what's the injury again, Derek? The, the injury of death that Corey Kluber has right now? Um, it's shoulder inflammation, which unfortunately our recording kind of cut out as I told Luke this earlier, so we're re-recording this little injury part, but it's a shoulder inflammation, same injury Matt Barnes had last year. Right, so Kluber is really stepping into the void that Matt Barnes left on the Red Sox. He's really filling that role in every, in every foreseeable way, failing at the job he was hired to do, all season long, uh, being uh, being demoted to essentially a mop-up role and then being hurt with the same injury. So Kluber really stepping into that Matt Barnes role nicely. Um, and it's just the Verdugo injury. It, it, not an injury. We're losing Verdugo for five, six games, which I think is really going to hurt. Um, he's been arguably the most consistent hitter on the team all season long, and now they won't have him for it'll be six games that they won't have him so that's just bad time for that bad time for Hauk to be hurt we got the White Sox coming up on the road who are not a good team then they got the Marlins at home who are a really good team and then the Blue Jays on the road after that so it's just uh I feel like it's gonna be a a tough go of it until tough sledding until um Hauk comes back I'll say this on Verdugo though real quick uh, they're expecting him back on Tuesday for the start of the Marlins series. So he'll only miss the White Sox series. And then obviously the last game of the Twins series. Um, so he's realistically, after the the, the uh, Twins game from today, he's only going to miss three more games. So it's he's not going to be out until like the middle of next week at least. So it'll probably be an outfield of for this upcoming series of Yoshida in left, Duran in center, and Duval in right. All, all week. I mean, all weekend probably, unless they got a yeah, lefty well, going. And they got yeah, unless Snyder. there's a lefty, then Ruff Snyder. Yeah, or Kike plays outfield maybe. Yeah, that could happen definitely. Although Pablo um, Reyes got taken out of today's game, so he might be needed at second base. Yikes! Um, I want to talk about the pitching for a second. The pitching was because we're at the point now where we're like going on like two weeks of being like short a pitcher. We've had spot starts. We've been calling guys up. We have been um, doing the long relief stuff. We've been doing the opener stuff. And there are so many starting pitcher injuries right now that it feels like we can't get caught up. And there's just like a guaranteed loss like once or twice a week when you have Garza pitch the first two innings and the ball game's over right away. Um, And that's definitely getting, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it, but it's definitely getting like a little frustrating. Well, Chris Murphy is being recalled uh, for the for the White Sox series. We know that, um, and Walter's being sent down. Um, so there, so the Red Sox are getting a fresh arm in that sense. Um, so that's something. And Murphy has a good at the big league level in his two appearances. So there is that. Um, but besides that, it's I think the one advantage Pavetta will be able to pitch again, um, and he's been doing well out of the bullpen, right? So that's another arm that you get back because they've given him a couple of days off since he went three innings against the Yankees. So like they haven't, I think they have enough arms in this bullpen to get through the White Sox series, and then you have the off day on Monday. I think that Monday off day is going to be very crucial for the Red Sox. What's the point of going with Garza as the opener today anyway? Why not just let Murphy start? Like he's a starter. Well, Walter. With Walter, Walter, Walter I, I Walter. think, 
I think they wanted to like. I sometimes it's just like an opener thing, and like you give the go with the opener. You kind of get through the lineup a little bit the first time, so you know the starters not going out there facing one, two, three, four, five. With and it's a thing we know that the Rays have done, and the Rays have had success with it. Um, and, and openers have worked for. I mean, it worked with Caleb Bort somehow. Um, although he still did give up a couple runs, um, but it worked, I guess. But he also went two and a third compared to barely get not even getting an out into the second inning for Garza. I see why they did it, but at the same time, Justin Garza probably wasn't the right person to start. But you know, that's that's as good of the answer of an answer I can give. I mean, Walter made a start, six and two thirds. 92 pitches, he just started in the second inning. <laughs> right. And, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they weren't expecting that, but if you're going to make it a bullpen game, I mean, I feel like they would make it a bullpen game. If Garza go one, if Walter go two, and then if Veta go two, or something like that. But, I mean, Walter did well, so they kept him in there. I'm fine with that, and maybe that was the plan, and they saw Walter was doing well, so just keep him in there. But it's just it just seems funny to me. Like, you know, the guy's a starting pitcher. If you're going to trust him to go in in the second, just – or the third just trust him to go in in the first and if he only goes four innings then it's use the bullpen for five in for the last five innings i don't know it just seems like just trying to be clever uh for no real reason especially he hasn't had the greatest regards are right away i mean like you're right like he wasn't a great pick but like the game was over pretty fast uh because he just kind of let it get out of control fast yeah. yeah, well, also, also though, I mean, they probably didn't expect Walter to go six and two-thirds. I think they're maybe expecting four innings out of him, and that's probably what they're thinking. I mean, and also, too, Walter hasn't had, like, the greatest AAA year so far this year either. Like, there's also, it's not like he's been dominating AAA either. So it wasn't like a, you know, a given that he was going to come in and pitch really well. A six and two-thirds might be his longest outing this year, including his games in AAA. Like, well, so I, I, that is long in triple a anyway and everybody pitches like five innings and that's it the, i mean well depends more so on pitch count but but like for walter like that was his best outing all year including triple yes he gave it three runs also two better competitions facing big league hitters instead of you know triple a guys but like that was legitimately his best appearance of this year um, and I and that's that's great to see, but at the same time, I think it goes. I think the Red Sox probably only expected four innings out of him, so that's probably why they went with the opener. Because if your opener can at least give you, you know, two innings, and I think that's probably what they were hoping for with Garza, get two innings out of him, then you know, two innings and then four innings from Walter, then you're going into the seventh inning, and you can hit them with like Winkowski, Martin, Jansen, one, two, three for the seventh, eighth, ninth. All of those triple start of the year had. is six innings, by the way. So it was his best outing of the season. It was the longest, anyway. All those AAA pitchers, though, this year have been pretty crummy. Walter and Mata and Murphy, they gave all... Last I checked, their ERAs were all over five. Murphy's been exceptional since moving to the bullpen. He had a rough go of it starting, but since they put him in the bullpen, he's been lights out. Walter's been rough. He's gotten better as of late, but it's still been rough. Matt has been injured now for like a month and it seems like he's just going to get moved to the bullpen because the Red Sox can't send him down next year. Um, he has no more options after this year. So the Red Sox are in kind of, and he's on the 40 man. Yeah. Which, you know, makes him a potential big league option, but they can't send him down next year. He either has to make the big league roster. Or they got to put him on waivers. 
and it doesn't look like he's making it as a starter. So it, I would think whenever Matt is healthy, they'll bump him to the pen too, and his stuff will play in the bullpen. It's just he's got to not walk guys. They got to move him to the bullpen and make room for Shane Drohan soon anyway. Well, he's already in AAA. He is? Oh, I thought he was still in AA. He's been in AAA for like a month. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look at that. I want to say one thing before we, we play our game tonight, which is Sunday Night Baseball, Yankees, Bayo goes seven, Winkowski won, Kenley won, and I was like, boy, oh boy, that's baseball. <laughs> and then today, Garza, <laughs> opener, losing to the Twins. I was like, yep, that sounds like the Boston Red Sox for the past three years. <laughs> um Let's play a game, shall we, folks? Uh, tonight's game is one of our favorites. It's uh, contender or pretender. It's exactly what it sounds like. Is this guy legit or is he a uh, pretender? We're revisiting uh, a couple that we've touched on earlier in the season, Double down, doubling down on some takes, uh, eating our words on others. I won't be eating my words on any, uh, but maybe you guys will. Uh, we're going to do a little contender pretender now. First one we're going to do Jaron Duran, which I'll let you guys go first. Uh, uh, Derek, I'll let you start this one off. Jaron Duran, is he a contender or is he a pretender? I think I, I don't know if anyone else said it last time. I know I said contender last time when we did this about a month or so ago. Yes, he's cooled off a little bit, but now he's actually kind of bringing it back a little bit, getting back into a little bit of a hot streak. And I, I think for Duran, I mean, he was never going to hit 400. I said it even back then. It's never going to happen. Never going to hit probably was never going to hit 300, but like he can be a guy who can be a productive outfielder. And I think we are seeing that Um, right now. He's still more of a fourth outfielder for this team when everyone's healthy and everyone's there. But I think for what he is, I think he definitely is a contender. I think he deserves to be a part of this team. Definitely. I got him. I got him as a contender too. And I said, well, I when we played this game before, I don't know if he was. I think he was at the height of when he came back and was still slugging doubles three times a game. Um, but you know, I said contender because he's never done this before. If he can do this, there's no reason why he can't hit at a a, a much more reasonable rate than he was doing right then. And then he hit the big drought and we talked about it at the time like all right well here's duran back again you know we fooled us all but now that he's evened it out i still want to say contender he's evened it out around 285 he's been at that for a couple weeks after dropping from like 460 or whatever he was hitting all the way down to the 280s and he's got a 788 ops guy's a doubles machine not in the wade boggs sense but that basically everything that's not a smoked line one hopper right to an outfielder is going to be a double because he just keeps running. So uh, that's a great tool to have. He's going to be especially useful this weekend with Verdugo missing games on bereavement. Uh, he's probably going to start every game unless, I don't know if the, I know Giolito's starting tomorrow. I don't know if any lefties are going for the White Sox this weekend. But he's evened out now and he's hitting at a more, sustainable rate so i still say contender i know pat was the one person he said pretender all along so well i'll let pat go now oh you know just just me just the guy that wants to point out that he's hitting 221 in his last 30 games 
Okay. Hitting 393 in his last 11 games. So that's a lot of games. 11. Come on, that's not you know that's not a sample size. He's hitting 221 in his last 30 games. I listen. I I don't want to rag on the guy. I'm not rooting against anybody. I think fourth outfielder is a compliment. I might go fifth, sixth outfielder on this team. I mean, I miss Kike in center field. We'll get that out of the way. Ref Snyder being a specialist is unbelievable and still have not addressed that. I think the Ref Snyder extension is one of Heim's best moves ever. But, you know, when we were in the World Series in 2025, then, you know, I'll bring it up again. Uh, I, I don't know, guys. I just... <laughs> I, I, I'm with you on the the doubles thing is great. I, it really is. And you're right. He's got, I, I had it here. He's got 54 hits this year. 21 of them are doubles. That's crazy. That's an unbelievable rate. Um, I don't, is it, is it turning into anything? I don't know. In those past 30 games, he scored four runs. Now, is it on other people to bring him in? Yes, it is. Blah, blah, blah. I just there's enough there's enough here for me to go. I don't know, guys. I feel like maybe there's a little pretender action going on here. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised he starts as much as he does. I'm surprised he leads off as much as he does. It just isn't sitting right with me still. To be fair, he has been me. streaky, but like there are guys who are streaky who still carve out very solid careers in the big leagues. And you know what? If he's gonna be streaky, might some a couple of those downtimes hurt a little bit? Yeah. But you know what? When those hot streaks come, it's really, really good. And and yes, is you know, Duran right now he's played what fifty six games this year. I think it is. Um, he's played he's played fifty six games this year. He's got an eight hundred five OPS. He's got a one sixteen OPS plus. I mean, overall, like that's what you cannot like you if you get that from Duran over in fifty six games. I know it's been up down now up again, but like you take it. You can't complain about that. I think that's the big thing about it. Yes, is it been, you know, riding some streaks? Yes, it has been. But at the end of the day, I mean, guys like Adam Duvall. Oh, Derek dropped up. Um, there he is. Okay, he's back. He's back. <laughs> but no, Duvall, Duvall, like Adam Duvall, he's notorious for, like, being a streaky hitter. But it's worked for him, right? And he's still a big leaguer and a guy who the Red Sox are being going to be very productive, right? And yes, there'll be some cold streaks, but there'll also be some hot streaks, and those hot streaks will be very good, right? I think that's the thing you're seeing with Duran. The, the biggest thing for hot me... Streaks, has cold streaks, but overall, it'll be fine. The biggest thing for me is the kinds of hits he's getting. When he's on, he's hitting line drives to left center and legging out doubles. It's not like he's grounding everything in the hole, grounding things up the middle. Uh, he, he makes... Really good contact pretty often. That's why I'm high on him and going with, uh, with contender and not pretender. But if, say, this team makes the playoffs, I feel like you can't start him at all because you need him coming off the bench late in the game as a pinch as a pinch runner. He's way too valuable in that role. And so you'd go with Yoshida and Duval and Verdugo in the outfield every day with him as the weapon off the bench. Also, too, Duvall and Verdugo are better defensively, so there is that argument, too, to that, too. But Duran's been a lot better defensively. I mean, he's a guy who, you know, only started playing the outfield once he got into the Red Sox system. And, yes, it's still been, you know, he was drafted in, I that think, catch, That catch he made against Rizzo was incredible. Did you see that, Pat? 
I don't think I did. Running into the triangle, running into that part where you you run horizontally into the bullpen, like in deep center field in the triangle, running back and towards the bullpen, and he caught it like kind of going sideways, and he caught it like a like a football player catching an older over the shoulder pass, kind of only more almost like the Willie Mays catch. Yeah, it was like a basket catch running sideways right into the bullpen. He thought he hurt himself at first. Was this the Sunday morning game? Sunday afternoon game? The Sunday night game, I believe. I think it was. I think it was a Sunday night game. I don't know. I don't know. I must have. I don't know. Missed that one. Uh, I I was. was, You were in holding. I I was. My bad. Uh, All right. Go ahead. Real quick, Derek. I I will say say this on the defense, though. He's drafted in 2018. And he's really, I mean, 2018, you got, you got all of 2019. You had some in 2018 minor leagues, not really, though. You get 2019, you lose the 2020 season, you get 2021, and he made his big league debut in 2021, and now 22 that's and now 2023. Time. I'm sorry, that's a long time. But in terms of outfield, he's, learning the outfield and have never that's really a playing long the outfield time. before. He's just kind of a dummy. I don't know. Like, he just, he makes, he, well, he's, he's never going to be in a He's getting that Doogie but. territory. Doogie hasn't made as many Doogies as we thought he would. His, his defense is, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we got to move on. We got to move on. I got um, four Doogies so far this year. Four. <laughs> uh, Luke, Tristan Cassis, contender or pretender? He's a contender, and I've been saying he's a contender. I've believed in him all year, and right now he's showing what we've been waiting for since the end of April where he had something like a 150 batting average. He's going to be a good player. He's creeping up, and this is not one of those Jaron Duran things. He didn't get up to – he had to crawl up to his way up to 216, but he didn't get there by hitting the lights out for 25 games to shoot his average back on. Up. He has been doing it gradually, learning the strike zone better, taking his walks, taking a lot of strikeouts too, but learning how to hit at the big league level. And now all of a sudden, he, you could say he's on a hot streak, but it's not like he's on a Justin Turner-like hot streak and that has just pumped his numbers up. He is being a much more complete hitter. He's gotten way more hard contact lately, doubles, home runs, um, he he won. He put that Yankee game away Sunday night with a two-run ground rule double in the right field corner. I feel like he's learning a lot as a hitter. I feel like he's more comfortable swinging now. And uh, gotta gotta say, contender. Yeah, the numbers definitely back it up um, for Tristan Gas as being a pretender. I mean, contender. She's Louise. I'm I'm thinking. What am I thinking? Contender. She's Louise. I'm fumbling over my words, as I have to do at least once a show. Um, in his last 40 games, Cassis is hitting 273, a 366 on base, and a 462 slugging. That's an 828 OPS. And he's got, in that time, he's got eight doubles, a triple, and five homers. Um, yeah, 40 games, 35 strikeouts on his 40 games isn't necessarily super encouraging, but he's always been a guy, even though he does draw his walks, he's not like been the greatest like limiting strikeouts guy. Um, like he, he still struck out his fair share, even in the minor leagues. He's never been that kind of, oh, I'm only going to strike out. I'm going to strike out less than I want. I necessarily hasn't necessarily been that even throughout his minor league career. Um, but in terms of, you know, his performance over the, you know, basically since the start of May, I mean, it's been, he's been one of the best hitters over the last, you know, what, like seven weeks, six, seven weeks. And, 
I mean, that's all you can ask for out of someone who's, you know, he's still a rookie, right? And, I mean, all you can ask for is for growth and improvement and consistent play, and that's what he's given you over these last, you know, like I said, six, seven weeks. Uh, so what he's is definitely he at? a contender for me. What is he at? Eight home runs, 30 RBIs, something like that? Um, this year he's got eight home runs, and he has um, he's got 25 RBIs this year. I like the eight home runs. He's on pace to, what, 18, 20 home runs? If he finishes the season at, say, 220 with 20 home runs and 60 RBIs, 55 RBIs, I would call that a success, absolutely. Well, at the rate he's hitting right now, he's more on pace to hit, like, 235 with, like, 20 to 25 home runs. Because he's hitting, yeah. I mean, maybe even high. He's hitting, like I said, he's hitting two seventy three in his last forty games. That goes, yeah. That takes you back till the literally, I think, his second game of May onwards. Yeah, I'm going know, on the conservative now. side. You know, give it, give a little. You know, guess a little low for the dog days catching up with him. He's never played one hundred and fifty games in a season. You know, but I, I would be satisfied with that. Obviously, I'd love it if he did better than those numbers I gave. Yeah, I think it's only a big deal, and he's gotten a lot of flack on uh, on Red Sox Twitter. I think it's really only a big deal because this team is just not where people want it to be. If he's hitting like this in the six hole and the team has won five more games, I don't think people are really talking about him that much, and, and they're kind of mainly feeling the way that Luke feels, which is like, all right, you know, he'll get there. Um, giving us some pop. Uh, making pitchers throw more, which is always a valuable tool, which I think is underrated um, when it comes to taking pitches. But the team is not where people want it to be, and it's easy to pick on the guy who, you know, can only play first base and hits, you know, 216 or whatever it is. Uh, I think that's unfair. I don't think that tells the whole story, though. Like, put yourself back, go back in time, put yourself back in the mental space you were at last year when Bobby Dahlbeck was playing first base. Like, he had worse numbers because he was under 200 the whole year, just about. He would pop one out every once in a while, but he, he struck out. It felt like he struck out every time up, especially when it really mattered. So it's like, you know, as far as, and this is a guy who, Casas is a guy who has been a touted prospect who they've been looking for big things from for a few years, not just you know, Bobby Dahlbeck, oh, we need a first base, and he's the best one we have in the organization. Let's give him a shot. Casas has been a guy that they've seen things in from, they've seen things in for uh, quite a while. So, I mean, I think, I see it as nothing but positives. That's Bobby Dahlbeck, by the way, who has a 10.52 OPS in AAA and has also hit 18 home runs, but that's fine. We could talk about that another time. You know, that impresses me about as much as if you said he has not lost a game of Monopoly in the, the past. You know, he plays a game of Monopoly every day, and he hasn't lost one since last August. That's how much those minor That'd league That'd be pretty impressive. That's a pretty good Monopoly. That's pretty, that'd be pretty impressive. Yeah, but I'm just saying. I, I will, right. He's taking over Franchi Cordero's role as the king of Worcester. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he's done. He's taken over Franchi Cordero's role as the King of Worcester. Uh, but I, it is good for Dahlbeck. He does need, he's a guy who just needs a change of scenery. I think the Red Sox know about that. I think Dahlbeck knows that. And anything he can do in AAA, maybe build up at least a little bit of trade value, is beneficial to both him and the Red Sox. Yeah, Mark. Right, we got two more to do. He needs do, a so change gonna... of scenery. So he needs to go to Mars. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to cook him up. Uh, real quick, 
first, James Paxton. I'm going to say contender. You guys are going to tell me why I'm right. Luke, you go first. Well, you're right because you're wrong, actually. <laughs> he's, a, he's a pretender. Uh, and I'm. this is exactly what happened with Chris Sale. I can remember the exact thing. It was that Cardinals game, the, the second straight one that Jansen blew after he threw his arm out in Atlanta getting that 400 save. It was that game where it was Sale's best game of the season. It was like, he's back. He's throwing like this. He's throwing 96, 97. He went seven innings in that game, maybe into the eighth. I don't exactly remember. Did he go eight full? He might have gone eight full innings in that game. And he is back, and he is the Chris Sale. And it, it, like two starts later, he got injured again. I'm not going to let it happen again. Uh, with I'm, he, I'm not going to let Paxton do it to me the way Sale did. He's going to do great until he gets injured again, and then it's everyone's going to be angry, and I, I'm not going to let me be that guy. I'm just going to be that guy who's like, well, it was nice. We got yeah, 10 good starts from him uh, while we could. Uh, I'll just go and say I'm, a, I'm with Pat on this. Uh, I, I believe he's a contender, and like the and I mean, I mean I'm gonna go with the numbers back it up, but the numbers do back it up. I mean 3.29 ERA, 3.30, uh, 339 expected ERA, a 3.25 FIP, a 3.08 expected FIP. Um, and here's the interesting thing about Paxton this year, like it's not just like ERA, FIP, whatever. Like he's striking out more guys than he ever has, at least uh, more more guys than he ever has. His strikeout rate is higher than ever has been. Strikeouts per nine higher than ever has been, excluding. Uh, Excluding 2021, where he literally threw 1.1 innings, so we're not counting that. He's walking the least amount of guys he has since 2018, which I know doesn't sound that impressive in terms of, yeah, because he didn't really pitch in 2021 and 20, in 2020 20, 20, 20 and 2021, didn't pitch in 2022. Jeez Louise. Um, but, like, it's his walk rate is down from where it was when he did pitch in 2019. And he pitched 150 innings in 2018. Then in 2020, like his walk, his walks per nine jumped up to over three. His walks per nine jumped up almost a full walk per nine. Jumped up from like 2.3 to just to just from the 2.3 range to about the low threes. Now he's back in the 2.5 range, 2.4, 2.5 range of walks per nine. So for that, the fact that he's striking out more guys than he ever has, he's, he's not walking as many guys as he was post. Post Seattle, post his Seattle tenure, his his first Seattle tenure. I think it's nice to see. I think that's a really big thing for him, uh, in that terms of things. So for me, he's a, he's a contender, and I think he's really the biggest key to the Red Sox this year in terms of, you know, their plans. Because if the Red Sox end up getting to the trade deadline and they decide to sell, Pax or at least or if they do some mix of selling or buying, however they do it. But if they're gonna sell, James Paxton's their biggest trade piece, especially because. Every team can afford James Paxton. He's only making four million, and it'll be prorated for the rest. Of, only be prorated for the rest of the season. So any team can afford that and take that on their books. And if he's I, pitching like he has been and continues that, it's a you know who wouldn't want him. Then from the other side of things, if the Red Sox are good and he's continuing to pitch well, you keep him and he's at the top of your rotation. Either way, until it's working there. out good for the Red Sox. I saw somebody call him Big Maple the other day and was like, this is this is how it happens. This is how people get kicked in the nether regions. They get excited like this. I don't think Chris Sale ever had a nickname, but if he did, that's when I would have started using it, right before he got hurt. Last one, Garrett Whitlock. I'm going to say contender. Luke, tell me why I'm right. 
Uh, you're right, because he has the stuff, and I don't think injuries will be a big problem with him anymore. Knock wood. Uh, he's, it's, it's happened over and over again with him, but he's got this stuff, and he's throwing that, the way he's using that changeup as a starter, I think is a real key uh, to that. He's got a really good sinker. I felt like he threw that sinker 90% of the time uh, when he was uh when he was a reliever, and now he's mixing in that changeup, and the changeup I feel like is just as good as the sinker. He's got a really good two-pitch mix now. Um, doesn't even really need to throw the four-seam fastball anymore. Uh, so I think I think he's got it. It's, it's dependent on him staying healthy. I think he will, and I can say that without feeling like I'm going to jinx him, like the opposite of the way I feel with Paxton, but it, it definitely a contender, and... Uh, Showing why they locked him up uh, for six years, whatever that deal is uh, that he signed, and he's a big part of their plans, and I can see why. I, I'll add to with what like I think he's a contender, but like I think it really cemented that when he came back off the IL, and I mentioned it before here in, in our previous Sox podcast, but. The reshaped changeup, the fact that they went kind of went into the lab with them and said, hey, your changeup's not working, it's not the same that it was, let's make some changes and let's make this changeup get it back to where it was. And he's throwing it slower, it's got way more movement now, I think it's got like 8 to 9 more inches of movement, and it's thrown, being thrown like 2 to 3 miles per hour slower. It's a much better changeup. His slider slash sweeper, they're considering it a sweeper, but he still calls it a slider. So whatever, it doesn't really matter which one you call it. We know what pitch it is. Um, and it's been very good this year. Although his last start, he only threw it nine times, which I don't know why he only threw it nine times against the Twins. No clue. Maybe the Twins That's are a good slider team. But. That's why. Because you don't know. He's just keeping you on your toes, keeping hitters on their toes. You never know what, what he's going to do. Yeah, but I feel like only throwing it nine times is still like a little low, uh, considering he normally throws it twenty one percent of the time, um, over twenty one percent of the time actually. And he, oh, but like who knows, right? Um, his sinker, uh, he's still using fifty percent of the time, uh, even as a starter. Um, so, you know, it's, it's which is actually his sinker usage is actually down a little bit from previous years. Um, but, like, his pitch mix works, right? And it will work as a starter. He does have three pitches, and I think that is a thing. Especially when the, when the slider slash sweet sweeper is working, when the changeup is working, and he has that sinker, he has the three-pitch mix that you need to be a starter. And I think for that, he's definitely a contender. I think the biggest thing for him is just stay healthy and, like, avoid anything elbow-related because he's already had one Tommy John. I think that's the biggest concern with him. Uh, all right, guys, I think that's it for that. So I think all we have left is Derek's Minor Leaguer of the Week. So this is, of course, From Farm to Fenway presents Derek's Minor Leaguer of the Week. Uh, there's no trivia tonight, Derek, so I will grant you an extra 30 seconds. So you have a grand total of 90 seconds to tell us about your From Farm to Fenway Minor Leaguer of the Week. Go. Yeah, we've been saying minor league of the week. I'm changing it the format from now on instead of not necessarily minor league of the week, but more so someone I would just want to talk about. Um, this guy who did have a very good performance last week, so he does still does warrant being talked about in terms of minor league of the week. Probably plays Jordan, but I want to talk about this guy a little bit more. Um, Luis Perales had his best start probably of his career. 
uh, in his last start. Uh, he went six innings, which was a career high for him, uh, which was amazing to see. He only gave it one hit, no runs against. He only walked one guy, which is a massive thing for him uh, in terms of limiting walks. He had seven strikeouts, and he's been really, really good over the last you know month or so. Uh, there's been a lot of pitchers in the low minors who have been like set like eight eight or nine starters who have been really good since like the middle of May. And Perales has been one of those guys. He's one of the top pitching prospects in the system, and he's got really good stuff. And you know he had never gone bef- longer than five innings in a game up until this previous start. So I think for him and just for his development, that's really nice to see him go six innings. He hasn't been walking nearly as many guys recently as well, which is another really big thing. Um, in his last four starts, he's only walked four hitters. Um, in in one of the starts, he walked three. So in three of the four starts, he's walked zero, zero, and one guys. I think that's really big for him. So in terms of his development and him being a highly rated prospect in the pitching system, in this system, I think it's really nice to see that development from. Only other guy I want to mention, Marvin Alcantara in the FCL, um, because he's been really interesting. All right, Derek, Joey's not here, so I have to take issue with two things that you said. Number one, skipping over Blaze Jordan. This is nonsense, and I won't stand for it. Number two, the segment is not called the best minor leaguer of the week. It's just minor leaguer of the week. It doesn't have to be the best performance. It can just be the guy you want to talk about. Which, Because I thought he was just going to go totally off the beaten path. I know it's the minor leaguer of the week, but I, I just want to talk about... <laughs> I, I really want to want talk, talk about, about Justin Garza. I just want to talk about Sidney Sweeney. <laughs> just, you know, out of this is my time, so I'm just gonna. I want to talk about the Arizona no, I, Diamondbacks. I've, I've been saying I've been really using the, the recently as like a this is the guy who's had the best performance, and I'm gonna change no, I it because as great as it is to talk about the guys' best performance, sometimes if you talk about the same guy over and over, they keep on continuing to have good performance. It's like. Like, let's see. And also, Duperalis, I think he deserves it because I think he could potentially be getting closer and closer towards a promotion uh, if he continues to pitch well. So I think that's. I was hoping you'd talk about David Hamilton because I'm excited to see him on the major league team right now. That was a good. That was a good he, debut. Yeah, I, I considered it, but at the same time, he hasn't. You know, he just came back from an injury in the minor league, so like there wasn't a ton in terms of minor also, league. Also, even there wasn't a ton to talk about. We should have a actual from Farm to Fenway episode due pretty soon. No, we should. I think the perfect timing is is either right before the MLB draft or right after the MLB draft. Sweet. When is that? The MLB draft is All Star Weekend. Oh, I think maybe right after because I might be seeing some of these guys right after. We'll talk about this off air. We don't need to plan episodes <laughs> on the air, but um. That was fun, guys. It's good to be back. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up? No, I didn't think so. Great. Uh, all the places that you could find us, bleacherbrawls.com. We talk Red Sox, of course. Uh, those other schmucks talk about the Yankees. We also talk about anything else we want to talk about. Like I said, Derek and I have a Diamondbacks piece coming out next week. Um, lots of fun stuff going on over there. Our YouTube channel on TikTok. Our main social media hub is at Bleacher Brawl on Twitter. You can also find all of our uh, individual Twitters in the description down below. I think that covers everything. I think that's all we have. So we're going to wrap it up. You can find this show currently 
on on anywhere you find your podcasts on Friday mornings. Uh, hopefully, you've already rated us five stars and left us a nice review. If you haven't, please go ahead and do that. Hit subscribe so when this episode hits your feed next Friday, you'll be there and you'll be ready for it. Other than that, we got the rivalry show on Monday morning. Talk a little Sox and Yanks, but we will be back with this episode next week. Thanks, guys, uh, for being here, and we'll see you then. Aaron Hicks is the king of Baltimore. All right, folks, that's the <laughs> latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars, and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on bleacherbrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter.